All right, Psalm chapter 10, uh, beginning in verse 1. Hear the word of God. Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In arrogance, the wicked hotly pursue the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes that they've devised. For the wicked boast of the desires of his soul. And the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. His ways prosper at all time. Your judgments are on high, out of his sight. As for all his foes, he puffs at them. He says in his heart, I shall not be moved. Throughout all generations, I shall not meet adversity. His mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression. And under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. He sits in ambush in the villages. In hiding places, he murders the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. He lurks in ambush like a lion in his thicket. He lurks that he may seize the poor. He seizes the poor when he draws them into his net. The helpless are crushed, sink down, and fall by his might. He says in his heart, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it. Arise, O Lord. O God, lift up your hand. Forget not the afflicted. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, you will not call to account, but you do see, for you note mischief and vexation that you may take it into your hands. To you, the helpless commits himself. For you have been the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and evildoer. Call his wickedness to account until you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed. So that man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. The grass withers and the flower fades. Uh, The scripture says the word of the Lord endures uh, forever. We've looked at various different sides of the topic of sex and how the Bible speaks about it. We said a few uh, weeks ago that sex is even about Jesus. It's his focus on him. And in, in some ways, while sex can be one of the most wonderful pictures of the gospel to us, um, it can also be uh, turned and twisted and used to give us an experience that's far closer to hell. It should be something that brings joy and satisfactions and feelings of completeness and love and value. Um, and instead, it can be used to bring a deep, deep agony and feelings of worthlessness and truly indescribable pain. Uh, it's a difficult uh, topic to think about, to talk about, uh, to, to be engaged in. It needs to it needs to be addressed. When you look at the statistics on this, it's... Um, it's sad. Statistically, just speaking statistically, uh, some in this room have been abused, right? That may be none of you, actually. That may be all of you, actually. Um, statistically, one in six women uh, have experienced some sort of, of sexual abuse. Um, 
I said 20, 20 to 40 percent is another number uh, under the age of, of 25 have experienced abuse. abuse. Uh, one, in, one in 33 uh, men experience sexual abuse, and they say for those numbers that that's four times higher if you look at the uh, college population. I so said that may actually be none of you. Uh, that may actually be all of you. Um, it, it is part of our experience. It's part of our world. It's a part of the people uh, that we're with, that are around of, and sometimes our own experience. Um, I want you to understand when we're speaking of sexual abuse, we're, we're, that counters the whole range of, of what, we're, what we're talking about. <clears throat> um, whether, that's, whether you think of that specifically in terms of physical abuse, uh, but I think we also need to include verbal abuse, things that have been, uh, comments that have been made, things that have been said, hurtful, um, hurtful things, or even joking, uh, and even just down to the to the glare of the eyes, um, <clears throat> that can make you feel used, uh, taken advantage of, uh, and and not uh, not valued. Um, <clears throat> Abuse to females, abuse to males, um, whether recently or uh, earlier in life, uh, both in contexts where it's under protest or consensual. Um, we're talking about all different ranges of this. The experience that we've had uh, with sex that has been, uh, has been painful, has hurt uh, emotionally, spiritually, various different ways. Rape, child abuse, sexual harassment, uh, date rape, inappropriate touching, uh, talking, um, <clears throat> All kind of things. Some of the statistics say that uh, victims of abuse are four times more likely to commit suicide, 26 times more likely uh, to abuse uh, drugs because it takes uh, such a deep emotional toll on our identity, how we see ourselves, how we relate to others, what levels of trust uh, we can have. Um, having been through that, and especially on the college campus, this is all uh, too common. Uh, sitting, uh, sitting at freshman lunch in Suwannee, and they've got the how do FSU men measure up, and hey, 91%, I'm real glad for the 91%, right? We're looking at that. Uh, 91% of FSU uh, men that were surveyed say, yes, even if a girl has already taken off all her clothes, she still has the right to say no. <clears throat> That's what I'm talking about. Um, that, that 9%, you take 9% out of some, you know, 37, 40,000 uh, that are here. Um, what are we thinking? How does that get to be part of part of the way that we act? Um, part of what's all too common. Um, all too common. Um, listen, this is, what we're speaking of is something of deep, deep, deep hurt. Uh, and what I want you to hear, at least, at least hear me saying this, that even there, the gospel applies deep healing, immediate healing. Now, it's something that just takes everything away, but it reaches even there uh, and moves us into the grace of the gospel where we can be loved, find trust, find healing uh, and hope. Uh, Calvin talks about the Psalms in particular as the mirror for the soul. Uh, he says we see the full range of human emotions are reflected back to us for the psalmist as he comes to God from all kinds of different places. Um, and as it's a mirror for the soul in that way, it it's also becomes a tool for the soul. Uh, that we learn how to, from any of these different places that we may be at, we learn how can we approach God from there? How can we still call out to God and speak to him? What do we say? How do we look to him? 
Um, so, so as we look at Psalm 10, we're just kind of going to follow through the different sections of the psalm. Kind of looking through about three sections of the psalm. Um, and what, I, what I'm encouraging you is to allow it to train us for how we deal with the subject. It applies to a lot of other subjects, um, but particularly how it, for it to train us how we deal with this. Um, it begins uh, with this question uh, from the psalmist, uh, why? Why do you stand far off? Why, why are there these 9% that are around? Why, why is there 1 in 6 of all women, 1 in 30, all these different things? Why can that be the case? And particularly, where are you or where were you? Right, that's the question uh, in this. For someone, who, someone who's experienced any of this and you're, you're saying, oh, well, there's a God and there's a God who cares about these things. Where were you, oh Lord? When this was going on, when this was maybe what I was uh, experiencing, once you see that the psalmist begins in utter honesty, and put on a fake religious expression to, for how to t- uh, speak to God, uh, utter honesty, calling out to God, uh, where is God? Uh, where is God uh, for you when these things happen? Because God could have prevented it, but he, he didn't. Um, but still what you see is this question, this calling out to God from a place of pain is still a cry of faith. Uh, it is looking to God, uh, coming before the Lord and asking, Lord, you answer, you explain, you speak to me, help me know what to do in this. Because I don't see you, I don't know where you are. Uh, so <clears throat> just taking the first section, what we see is the complaint to God. We see him. Uh, we see the psalmist uh, describing the wickedness of the wicked uh, in verses 2 uh, through 11. We see this complaint before God. Uh, the psalm is teaching us to speak out, right, to say something about it. And even to say something uh, to God in particular, there's one in whatever's going on that we can speak to and that we can trust him. Uh, it's worth speaking about and speaking to him. The, the world isn't right, and we should be outraged about it. That's what this part of the psalm is describing. It's, it's intentionally trying to bring out uh, the ugliness of the wicked, uh, the ugliness of the abuse, the ugliness of the situation, uh, so that we can be outraged about it. By Psalm 1, when the psalm begins, uh, you know, the, the godly is the one who prospers, and the wicked fails, like the, like the seed that's, or the, uh, the, the shaft that's scattered away by the wind. That's not always our experience. Um, And it's right for us to express outrage uh, before God at this. The psalm's teaching us to speak out to God. One of the deep uh, pains of sexual abuse is that it often isn't talked about. Um, And it often feels like it can't be talked about. The people that maybe you would go to are the ones that you now can't trust or you feel like you can't uh, bring it out in other situations. We can feel like we've like we've lost any voice, uh, like there's no one uh, to listen to, no one to care, uh, no one to understand. And when we don't speak about something, it begins to, we, we don't know how to deal with it. It begins to be something where we even start to lose a sense of ourselves, of the reality of these things. Uh, oftentimes, uh, we're told not to tell. Uh, it's, this, it's a secret uh, to be kept, that you would be wrong to tell. You'd be breaking uh, this trust. A lot of times we're, we're afraid to tell, afraid that there would be more hurt if we did say something. Um, I've talked with some of the people at the uh, counseling center before or the victim uh, advocates folks. They're great resources on campus, uh, by the way. Um, and they've given statistics on the numbers of date rape and all these things. And, but they always look at us and say, 
listen, these are just the ones that are being reported. There's a lot of other things that are going on unreported um, because we feel like we can't say anything about it. Um, But here in the psalm, we see the victim even being encouraged to express the agony to God. Where were you uh, when this happened to me? Uh, But it also shouldn't only be the ones who are hurt who speak about it. Uh, This psalm is a communal thing for us all uh, to engage in. Uh, I think sometimes we we don't want to talk about it, but it's a painful subject. We'd rather avoid it. Um, looking over some of these things and, and reading uh, different materials made it a harder week for me. I'd you know, love not to happen, but this is the reality. Um, Karen and I have talked before, we're you know, watching Law and Order, and it's a show that's about the sexual abuse. Like, no, we'll just change the channel. That's not what we want to be on. Listen, because we don't know how to respond, a lot of times we just we turn to something else. Um, but our voices should together uh, call out to God with the outrage of this complaint. Uh, that this is the way that the world goes, right? Students have marched in the president's office at pa- in the past, or you always have different political rallies and people are marching up to the Capitol. Uh, this is us looking at the world around us, specifically looking at the campus that is here and marching to God's throne and saying, God, where are you? What are you doing? Why does it look this way? Uh, why is this part of our experience? What are you doing about it? Uh, we are together to be calling uh, God to it. He calls us to do this in this psalm, and he's telling us that he listens, that he does more uh, than listen. But speaking is one of the first uh, steps toward uh, healing. Um, just, just look at some of the ways the psalm uh, speaks about this. It helps us call out uh, the more we see the vividness of the description of the wickedness of the wicked. It describes how ugly and wrong and despicable the actions are. It wasn't okay. It was, it's not something that we're just supposed to be all right with. Uh, however much the person may have gotten away with it. It describes, uh, <coughs> it describes this wicked person here uh, in... Uh, uh, in terms of their ter- terms of their pride, right, speaks of their uh, arrogance, their boasting, the pride of their face that they even puff at those who would come up against them. Like you have nothing to do with me. Um, and even what you see that they're proud of is their wickedness. It's the ugly, wrong things that they've done. Um, and we can think of that in terms of the. Or say the locker room conversation or the guy's bragging rights or the things that said and the comebacks or the lack of remorse uh, when, when uh, comments or accusations are made or scandals are found out. I hear proud of it. It's ugly. It brings out to us the ugliness of it. Uh, and you look at verse 5, it says, uh, it says, his ways prosper at all times. Not only does he get away with it, not only is he not uh, scarred with it or judged, um, but, but things seem to go well for him. Not the way the world is supposed to work. Uh, it goes into describing the, the persecution. Uh, right? Scripture, scripture always, God is a God of the, the poor, the afflicted, uh, the fatherless, the widow. For those who are in need, that's who he takes care of. He is especially the God of, of the weak um, the disadvantaged. Um, here it talks a lot of times to the poor, right, in an economic sense. You can think of it in other ways as well. Um, verses 8 to 10, they're, they're just setting the picture for you, right? Uh, and and it's, it's, uh, he sits in ambush. 
in the villages, in the hiding places. He murders the innocent. What, what cause was there for it? But he was lying in wait, planned, premeditated in that situation. His eyes uh, stealthily watch uh, for the helpless. Doesn't take us too much to be able to make a sexual connection there. And he lurks in ambush uh, like a lion in his thicket, ready to pounce on his prey. Um, seizes them, draws them into his net, uh, and the helpless are crushed, sink down, and fall uh, by his might. Um, For every uh, one who's been taken advantage of, for every victim, they remember a far more vivid event than even uh, this describes. what's 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 the attitude of this wicked person all the way through this? His pride, his arrogance, his boasting in it, and his rejection of God entirely. Right? He renounces the Lord, uh, it says in verse 3. He, doesn't, uh, he doesn't, uh, doesn't seek him. He goes further than that. He says, there is no God. Hey, I'm not going to get in trouble. No, no one sees this. Uh, no one else knows. I'm getting away with it. It's working, working well for me. Um, comes down all the way to this climax. Um, in verse 11, God's forgotten. No, not only has God forgotten, he's hidden his face so he will never see it. Um, And that can be our fear that those things will be true. That the reason God wasn't there, the reason uh, that it is it seems that he actually has turned his face away from us. Uh, But listen, this is what the wicked person is saying, is to call us out in outrage uh, to that attitude. And what you see in the psalm is that faith still voices this complaint to God. That something must be done. It believes in God's power, his compassion, his justice, uh, and and waits uh, for his answer. It starts off with this complaint before God, those first 12 verses. And then the second thing that you see, not just speaking out before God, but this calling to God. Uh, It's a relying on God's power. If we're looking at this situation, what can we do about it? Uh, Well, here's all the things we're seeking, and it's just getting away with it, and it seems like God's not even doing anything. And the psalmist throws themselves in reliance upon God's power, calling to God to act, to defend and to destroy um, we, we can hear and think about some of these things. Uh, I think it's very hard for us to hear, hear these things and not want something to be done, uh, right? When if you, you, know, you watch the Law and Order episode of the CSI Miami thing and uh, you want the God and the perpetrator to be caught uh, and judged and you're waiting for the gavel to pronounce a sentence. Um, and this is the reality. It's the reality of our life and experience. It's the reality of this canvas. It's real. And the psalmist says, Arise, O God. Lift up your hand. Forget not the afflicted. Do something about it. The hurt, the abused, the harassed, the afflicted, uh, they're depend on you. Uh, arise and do something about this. We're asking God to deal with it, uh, to judge the wrong, uh, and to heal the wounded. The temptation at times is to feel that the wicked's right, is to, is to believe his lies, that God has forgotten, that he's hidden his face, that he'll never see it. Um, read just a little bit of a, uh, I, don't, I don't think this will be too, um, not too far, but a, a story from a, a person describing some of the circumstances of their abuse. Uh, uh, this woman, Mika, 
uh, said that um, her father abused her, and she said that, that he told me that God told him to do it, uh, that it was right, that it was what I needed to know how to be a real woman. He told me that God told him to, do the, to teach me these things. I used to cry into my pillow at night. I cried out for God to stop it. I remember one day in Sunday school, our teacher told us that if we pray, God would answer our prayers, and I prayed. I prayed hard, but the abuse never stopped. In fact, I'd even pray when he was uh, doing it to me, but it wouldn't stop. It seemed to get worse. Uh, Who was God? He certainly wasn't a God of love, and he certainly didn't love me. He loved my daddy more, it seemed to me. Daddy always got uh, what he wanted. I see the deep uh, trauma uh, that it brings us through and that those lies are uh, pressing upon us to say, no, God doesn't care about you. He's forgotten. Uh, he doesn't care. And we need to gather in that situation and with others call out and say, God, arise. Don't let this stand. Do something uh, about it. Um, <clears throat> uh, I think far too often the victims of abuse... Uh, oh, Part of the, just the uh, situation of it is we, we begin to feel like, um, kind of internalize the pain and feel that somehow uh, we deserved it, they deserved it, um, uh, that it's something they did or some situation or whatever that the Lord thinks and that they're, <clears throat> they've just got, these lies are not true. Um, that's not something that anyone deserves. That's not what's, what's uh, how the world is supposed to work. Um, there's countless numbers who believe the lie that God's forgotten or he doesn't care. Um, and while, we're, while things aren't right and we're waiting for things to be right, uh, God has given us a sign that he has not forgotten. Um, a sign in history, in uh, his son on the cross to, to show uh, that he judges, that he sees wickedness uh, and has arisen to, to rise up and condemn it. I condemn it on Jesus, that Jesus felt forsaken. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me Uh, and forgotten? He was the the one, the the one experiencing uh, that judgment. Um, But God showed his character and his salvation in uh, in justice. And God raised Jesus up on the third day, overcoming our sin and death. That we have hope that there is a Lord who has seen it all, been through it, uh, and, and risen up to judge and to reign. And that he is setting things right. And this is the one who, who we hope in. He says, I will never I'll leave you nor forsake you. <clears throat> the psalm takes us to uh, the character of, of God, the truth of God's character, verses 13 uh, and 14, uh, right? He says, the wicked renounces God. He says in, in his heart, you will not call to account. But that's not true. You do see, you take note of it, the mischief, the vexation. I think it's translated lightly there, that you may take it into your hands. It's to you the helpless commits himself because you have been uh, the helper of the fatherless. God sees all the wickedness and he will surely deal with it. He's the only uh, sure help to it. We're to call out to God uh, to deal with it, to deal with the ugliness uh, of it. At the same time, I think there, there's also times where we're, we're tempted not to call out to God to arise uh, and condemn it all uh, because we're afraid that we'll get caught in it too. That some of that judgment uh, falls uh, on us. 
Uh, Romans chapter 3 says, no one is righteous, uh, no one does good. And then it quotes uh, that, and in several other verses, all in this section uh, of Romans 3, are quoting Old Testament passages saying, no one is good. Uh, and one of those passages that it quotes is Psalm chapter 10. Um, I believe it quotes uh, verse 7, that his mouth is filled with cursing and deceit uh, and oppression. Um, and ultimately saying that, that, that it's about all because we're all guilty in the crucifixion of Jesus. Um, placed on him, looking, uh, not, not coming to him or, or honoring him as Lord, but, but condemning him instead. And our sin that he, that he bore. Um, uh, Victims of abuse are both women and men, but uh, especially considering just the disproportionate abuse of women, uh, I want to say to you guys, you men in the room, that um, that we have to consider how we're guilty in this, um, e- even on uh, all the various aspects of it. That we've contributed to a culture of sin against women, um, right? How does your how does has your pornography affect your view of women? Uh, and that you're, looked at pornography, you're party to the abuse that you're watching. Uh, you're part of the reason that they've created that, that someone has gone through that. Um, uh, even that we've uh, failed to treat uh, women as ladies, um, uh, girls that, that we don't say to you enough uh, that we value you, uh, that you're beautiful, uh, who you are, what you contribute to, to our world, the way we see it, uh, the things we get to experience, the relationships and friendships that we get to enjoy, uh, that there's a richness and beauty to it because of all of you. I think we value that for you, and, uh, and we don't say that. And you can watch glances maybe that aren't appropriate and words that should be appropriate that we, uh, that we remain silent on. Um, and guys, we need to, this is how we need to speak to one another, with value, uh, with respect, cherishing one another. That's not just a God-a-girl thing. This is the way we need to care for one another in community. Um, it's easier to make fun and say, uh, you know, make the harsh comment or, or joke around about things than, than being sincere um, and honoring one another and encouraging one another. Um, there is hurt where we have trouble believing that compliments can be true or that we're valuable to one another. Uh, we need one another's voices to speak that truth to us so that we can believe it, so that we can know some of that is true. Um, uh, far too often, I think, uh, we've failed to listen to one another as people. Uh, we can objectify uh, each other as something to be possessed. Um, we've, got, we've got lots to repent of. And sometimes that can hold us back from calling out to God to condemn it, to get rid of it all. Um, but that's what we're called to do. Um, uh, when we consider the hurt and the wrong, the wickedness, we call God to arise as judge and healer. We should hate the evil, especially sexual abuse, to the point where we want it ended. I love the way the psalmist uh, puts it here. Break the arm of the wicked and evildoer, right? Or break the power of the wicked and evil evildoer can be translated as well. Uh, so that there can be no more of it. So it doesn't have any power to accomplish these things anymore. Uh, get rid of it. I think like a um, Jean-Claude Van Damme movie or Chuck Norris or whatever, and he's on a rampage and he catches the guy and, right, the 
arm broken. That's the kind of outrage that we should have or we want to see it uh, ended. Judged until it's no more all removed. Right? If only God would do that at FSU and there would be no more sexual abuse. That's what we want. If only God would do that in our hearts. All right, we want the broken, the power of sinfulness to be broken in every place. Um, God is a God of justice. We should desire the wickedness in ourselves and in others to be judged until there's no more to be found. I call it to account all the way through, read through the whole list and condemn it until there's no more to be found. That's what we call God to do. That's what we're looking to him to do. The psalmist goes on to show us that we can be confident that that is exactly what the Lord will do. Complaint, uh, the first 11 verses, the calling out to God to do something, uh, verses 12 to 15. Uh, and then you still see this expression of confidence at the end. Where does this expression of confidence in God come from? It looks to him as the just a king who really is control and ruling over everything. It's this expression of faith that the Lord is king forever and ever. All these things that are happening are actually happening in his realm. And he will seek it out until there is perfect justice. See, everything hinges upon that fact that he's king, that he is capable, that he is just, that he is good, that he is aware of it. And so even in a psalm considering these things, uh, there's praise expressed to God. Now that you can find confidence as you consider his character, as you consider his kingship. It says the nations will perish uh, from the land, right? That's the Old Testament context. They're going into the land and to drive out uh, the wickedness of those who were in the land. Uh, that's very different in the New Testament context. I think we see that God, um, God satisfies our desire for justice uh, in Christ Jesus, uh, right? But there's, but there's two ways uh, that we see that. There's two ways that wickedness is judged as we look at the whole perspective of Scripture. It's either judged uh, in Christ or it's judged by Christ. Um, we see that God was so concerned uh, to satisfy this desire for judgment of wickedness, to root it out completely, and to show his justice uh, that he sent his own son into the world. This is what he was doing, and, and that he's fully satisfied justice, called sin to account till there was a no more by pouring out his wrath on his son. This is why Jesus called out. This is why he was dead. That's why we speak in the Apostles' Creed of his descent into, into hell, that he is experiencing the wrath and the full judgment of God against uh, this sin. Christ was condemned on behalf of repentant sinners. Uh, and our wickedness has been crucified and judged on the cross, which means the power of sin has been broken. And it's his resurrection life Uh, that gets to be worked out by the power of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But it's either judged in Christ, which we have much hope, or it's judged by Christ. We're called to have hope in that as well, that Christ will return on the last day and condemn the wicked. You see it in this psalm, the wicked uh, declare by their pride uh, boldly that they want their sin placed on their account taking the, the credit uh, for it, not willing for that to uh, be looked to someone else. Uh, and unrepentant sinners are condemned by Christ. He is bringing a perfect, uh, just uh, kingdom. And when Christ returns, 
all sin will be removed. Without a doubt, God will satisfy justice against wicked uh, entirely. In the end, there will be no wickedness in his land. You read in Revelation 21 and 22, uh, describing the new heavens and the new earth. Uh, it says the kings of the earth will even bring their glory into it. These good things that have been uh, brought out, but, but nothing unclean will ever enter it. Um, uh, or as the psalm uh, puts it here, a man who is of the earth will strike terror no more. It's over. It's done. It's judged. It's finished. It's gone. And there's peace. And there's justice through God's character and through God's actions. Our desire for justice and peace will be fulfilled when God has made all things anew. Sexual hurt uh, and spiritual healing that God deals with the abuse. This is something he speaks to us in and calls us to himself. Though it feels like God's far off, he comes near uh, by his spirit. Though it can feel like he's forgotten, uh, he will judge and make it right. Uh, Beautiful passage in this uh, book. I was reading this uh, woman's story. Um, uh, Mika and that description of her father's abuse and she was with this counselor and it speaks, she speaks on the other end of it too of how going through this counseling that she found uh, a lot of healing in the gospel very difficult process long and gradual process uh, but then she says she finally uh, um, was able in looking at the scripture to, to see the passage where, uh, where Jesus calls the little children to, to come to him um, and some say, no, no, don't, like, there's, there's other things, there's other people that are there trying to keep her away from Jesus, but she found herself being drawn and walked uh, to him, that there was a place uh, that she could rest, that she could come to, uh, be accepted, uh, be loved, uh, be healed. <clears throat> Listen, looking at Psalm 10, me talking about these things, uh, I know this is nearly just kind of brushing the top of the surface. Um, there's much more to it and there's really much more that I don't even know how to say. Um, But I want you to hear that scripture teaches us to bring all the hurts to God. uh, That he can handle, that he calls us to, he wants us to speak to him. Uh, Scripture teaches us that the full gospel brings uh, healing, but brings deep, even if it brings gradual uh, healing. And scripture encourages us uh, that there's a day of hope Uh, of full healing and even full perfection. And this psalm for the community of the church uh, calls us to let our voices be heard together as we long for that day. Um, So what I want us to do to close is to read the psalm out loud together. It would be awkward to follow along all the same time. But I want us to read it. If you've got those sheets, please uh, please draw it out. If you've uh, if you've got an ESV Bible, you'll be reading the same words. Uh, if you've got that sheet, we'll be, uh, we'll be reading it together. <clears throat> I want us to read it aloud uh, together before God as a prayer uh, to him that it would train us, that we are engaged in community before God, even looking at these kind of sins and, and calling to God in it. And I'll close this in prayer after it. So would you read it with me? Why, O oh Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In arrogance, the wicked hotly pursue the poor. Let them be caught 
and the schemes that they have devised. For the wicked boast of the desires of his soul, and the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. His ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high, out of his sight. As for all his foes, he puffs at them. He says in his heart, I shall not be moved. Throughout all generations, I shall not meet adversity. His mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. He sits in ambush in the villages. In hiding places he murders the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. He lurks in ambush like a lion in his thicket. He lurks that he may seize the poor. He seizes the poor when he draws him into his net. The helpless are crushed, sink down, and fall by his might. He says in his heart, God is forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it. Rise, O Lord. O God, lift up your hand. Forget not the afflicted. Why does the wicked renounce God? And say in his heart, you will not call to account. But you do see. For you note mischief and vexation that you may take it into your hands. To you the helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and evildoer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed so that man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. 